You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Today on the show, some new social distancing approved concert venues and other unique forms of fan meets that are the latest in a long series of creative ways to try to make the concert industry, try to help it bounce back from this pandemic, so there's more developments on that front to discuss. I haven't done some album reviews in a while, so I do want to recap some of my favorite recent K-pop releases from this summer so far. There's a, there are a lot of news headlines to get to, everything from a soccer team to a new recording deal to new brand sponsorships to a car crash, although no one is seriously injured, but we will address that, to SM's new orchestra project, I have thoughts on that, to TikTok restrictions. There are so many headlines to cover today, so... We're just going to jump right into all of this and more. But before I do, my recommendation of what to listen to this week is just all of the albums that I'm going to be talking about. But my other recommendation for you all is to please read this graphic novel series. It's called March. It's John Lewis's series of graphic novels. And there are only three. It's it's a quick read. It's it's really informative, though, and so powerful, and as is everything John Lewis did. And I, I'm just really been torn up about John Lewis's passing, and I just really want to do what I can to honor and continue his legacy and be an ally and make some good trouble, as he said. So please also watch his the documentary about his life called Good Trouble. You can also read the March graphic novels. There's an episode of this podcast called The Daily that I would recommend that was released a day or two ago about John Lewis's life. So I would if I were you, just keep seeking that out because there's so much to read and listen to these past few from these past few days uh, from people reflecting on John Lewis's life and legacy, and I really, really want to make sure that we we carry the torch forward that he started for us and remember how blessed we were to live at the same time as him for quite a while and all these tools that he equipped the next generation with to pursue social justice further. We just can never lose sight of that and. I just owe him so much, so please make sure you pay tribute and reflect on his legacy this week. Alright, let's get to some headlines. So, the Northern Hemisphere is seeing a comet these days, which is called, I kid you not, Neowise. So, N-City, what is happening? Ex- we had exoplanets, and then SM Entertainment was like, we'll have Wavy take over the moon, and now we have Neowise, a comet streaming across the sky. It's already fading a little actually to be but it's still incredible and we will not see it again for another 6000ish years. So this is huge and weird and I just feel like NCT should drop a song or something right now to capitalize on this moment. So just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention. In more specifically K-pop based news, there are a lot of new sponsorship deals to address. BTS's Feel collab is finally out, but it sold out within 24 hours to no one's surprise. ITZY are now officially new honorary ambassadors for the Korean Tourism Organization. Lay from XO, he has a new album, Lit, which is out now, but that's a side story. The main story I wanted to share is that he is the new global ambassador for MAC Cosmetics, global ambassador, and that's that's really exciting. Congrats to him. SM Entertainment has patented NCitizen127 and this new logo for it. So there are two really cool things about that. One is that they applied for this patent July 14th, my birthday. Thank you for honoring me, clearly their favorite NCitizen. Thank you, SM Entertainment. I'm honored and touched by this in no way coincidental timing. Second of all, I really like the logo that they patented if the alleged image of it is true. It looks it looks cute and it looks like a real patch, a badge or a pin or it's just something that I would love to rep and wear all the time. A great promo for NCT and a great way to just symbolize being an N citizen and 
that's just a very cool development. I'm sure we'll get some cute merch out of this new patent very soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. That is a better way to promote things now maybe than others because there are some restrictions going into place now on TikTok viewings. So there are some major K-pop TikTok accounts from Twice, Rain, Eyes One, Mamamoo that are now no they cannot no longer be viewed in if you're in China. This is in, due to the recent crackdown on the internet access in China and this is it's long story short lock, the lockdown led to more people having more time to spend online in quarantine and that led to China kind of seizing on that moment to further work on internet restrictions and try to counteract some of that like new freedom that citizens may have felt to access more on the internet there. So that's really what this is viewed as doing, not necessarily another instance of China banning K-pop. This is viewed as more just about internet app usage overall. And there's there's a bunch more to that, but we've talked about that in previous episodes, but TikTok really is in quite a precarious position these days just in terms of how different countries are reacting to concerns raised about privacy and things like that, but we already went into all that, so I digress. Anyway, so in other troubling news, G-Friend has not been invited, apparently, to perform on Music Core. And if you remember, this happened a few weeks ago when Seventeen was doing the promo for their latest album, and Seventeen and G-Friend are both groups who are now acquired by Big Hit Entertainment, which has a long-standing... Um, they have a long-standing... the opposite of a good standing with the mainstream, quote-unquote, um, music shows in the K-pop world, because Big Hit is kind of an underdog agency, it's been looked down upon for years, and so the fact that yet another artist that now has Big Hit affiliations is not going to perform music core is concerning. However, they issued a statement claiming that they are just not on their lineup because they want to create a diverse uh, amount of artists on the ticket for the show to create a lot of variety in terms of the set designs, in terms of the transitions between artist performances and stuff. Music Work claims that they just want to, as a music show, stand out from the other music shows by having that variety of artists, and G-Friend just didn't make the cut because they had other artists too similar musically in their book, I guess. It is very odd, though, and it also is reminiscent of the statement they put out after Seventeen wasn't going to perform there, which was basically worded in a way that made it sound like, oh, well, we're not directly blocking them. They're always welcome to come on the show. But then again, no invite directly was extended. Like, we will have them on for this next comeback. No concrete promises or anything like that in this instance either. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I would not get your hopes up to see them perform there, although they have been getting promo on other music shows, which is great. In military news... Chinese Onu is finally back. He was discharged a few days early due to their new policy that is getting people released a little bit earlier based on cumulative vacation time and things like that due to the pandemic. For the people who are close to ending their required military enlistment time, they're letting them out a few days early, and that was the case with Onu. So he is back. Now we just gotta wait for Kibum and, well, and Minho too, but you know what I mean. I'm just... I'm just so excited for this, uh, I'm just so excited, I want to see Shiny back, I really do, sooner rather than later. But in worse news, July 30th, Zico will be enlisting as a public service officer, and although we can't say that he left us without any great bops or a great thing to, you know, he's he's released so much content the past few months, and then there's the judging gig on Island and everything, so thank you, Zico, for leaving us with so much good content before leaving for military enlistment. So there's that at least. So there are, there are some more real quick uh, news updates that I want to just speed through. Monster X officially rescheduled their tour to 2021, so now it's going to start April 20th in DC, and then we'll end May 21st in LA. Card is the latest K-pop group to decide they're going to have an online concert. So August 22nd, that will be happening. Side note, happy three-year band anniversary, Card. You guys are icons. Twice also has an online concert coming up called the World in a Day concert. 
And that one is actually through Beyond Live, which I was pleasantly surprised to hear because that is the SM Entertainment run app and Twice is from JYP Entertainment, a competing company. But this is really exciting. So I wonder if Beyond Live really is going to continue to reach out to artists from other companies that are not SM Entertainment. And really, I mean, Beyond Live can really be quite an interesting tool for SM Entertainment to use to expand their influence. So I'm very curious what plays out in the future. Maybe we'll get a GOT7 concert next, fingers crossed. And so Twice's show will be August 9th through Beyond Live at 3 p.m. Korean Standard Time. So that's the main downside. 3 p.m. Korean Standard Time is about 1 a.m. Chicago time. So keep that in mind if you were considering buying a ticket. Maybe you want to save for a show that has a different time or something. But this does seem to be a common thing for these online worldwide shows. So don't get your hopes up that the time will change. So that's something to keep in mind as well. KCON Thailand was officially canceled for the year. I assumed it had been months ago, to be honest, but apparently it was just made official. Ravi solo tour for North America and, and yeah, for North America was set to be happening this fall, but now it has been moved to next year. Again, to no surprise, but I honestly thought they had probably rescheduled it way earlier than this. 7 o'clock is a rookie K-pop group who as of right now, is still set to come to the USA in early October. And they do have a little qualifier now on the promo picks for this tour that says, you know, all of this is subject to change and be rescheduled due to COVID-19 and where we are with that by the time the tour rolls around. But I'm just very surprised they're still not deciding to just flat out reschedule for next year. We'll see how much longer that lasts, but it's very odd to me that they are still really crossing their fingers for fall because just just trying to be real here that's probably not going to happen icon members uh junho and jinhwan have had minor injuries due to the car crash they got into due to an impaired driver but they will be okay which is the most important part of the story Soon Guan is going to be sitting out from 17 promotions for right now because he has to have an ankle surgery after he tore a ligament during practice. South Korea has released some tourism stats about foreigners who came to Korea specifically to consume K-pop content. So the Hallyu fans of the world in 2019. So South Korea's tourism organization did some stats about what that looked like in 2019. And the average K-pop fan spent about this, I don't know why this is funny to me, this exact number, but about $1,007 were spent on K-pop goods and content. So each Hallyu fan spent approximately $1,007 on K-pop goods and content when they came to South Korea for a trip to experience K-pop related culture. So 1.11 million foreign tourists in 2019 fell under this category. So these are the fans that explicitly stated they came to South Korea for the Hallyu content. And so that doesn't even, that's just, that 1.11 million is already a massive amount, but then th think about how that's only the ones who officially agree that, yeah, the, be the biggest reason I came was for the K-pop content. That doesn't even take into account all of the other reasons they might have come. So it's really, South Korea's tourism really has been flourishing over the past few years, in large part, just got to say this part, in large part due to the BTS effect, although I know I'm biased to think that. So my other bias to think that news of the day is that I love this new project SM Entertainment is doing called uh, the SM Orchestra, where they basically have the Soul Philharmonic Orchestra with 44 different musicians all come together and perform and release a music video for an SM Entertainment classic song each month. So this monthly project started this month, and honestly at first I was a little confused and weirded out because their first song choice was Red Flavor by Red Velvet, which is such a bop, but like an orchestra remix? I wasn't sure if that would work. That just seemed like, huh? Like, anyway, but they really pleasantly surprised me. SM Entertainment really just has 
some secret ingredients that they put into their music that makes it work no matter what genre you experiment with. And so I'm very impressed with what I've seen from this project so far, and I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. AB6 is the first K-pop group who now is part of Vivo's new Emerging Artists promotional program, which is huge for them, and I'm very excited to see where that goes. And speaking of careers that are on the ups, Somi just signed with Interscope Records, which is huge, so she's really going to make a splash with USA Promotions in the coming weeks, I believe, for this new comeback. And this is the same agency that is also working with Blackpink and also some non-K-pop stars that are huge, like Lady Gaga and Maroon 5. So this is a really big deal, Somi signing with Interscope. So congrats to her. That is really exciting and much deserved. There are new MCs of the show Music Bank. And I this may sound petty, but I read an article that basically said congrats to Subin from TXT for this. So either that article just is ignoring the fact that Irene from Oh My Girl is also getting to star as a new MC, or it's just uh, just favoring Subin. I'm just confused why we're not talking about both of them, so please, if you report on this new MC news, don't forget to mention Irene from Oh My Girl, and don't just say it's about TXT Subin, because it's both of them, unless I'm confused and actually Subin is the main MC and she's just going to pop in occasionally. Unless that's the case, then can we please make the storyline about both of them equally? That would be great. In some more kooky news, I guess, uh, there is this thing, and I don't have a ton of details yet, it's very unexpected, but... These K-pop stars are forming a female celebrity soccer team. And I'm, I have a lot of questions about this that are not answered yet. Not much is known yet about this. Just a few Instagram posts have been put out about this so far. Not much else. And so we'll see what happens with this. But it sounds like the plan is for these K-pop stars, as well as other celebrities, actors, and non-celebrities, and some models, different famous people and non-famous people, are forming this new female soccer team. And it has members from A-Pink, and Twice, and EXID, and other groups, and it's called the FC Rumor W. I don't know why that is the name, but it is. And so FC Rumor W is going to be like a soccer team. And so I have a few main questions, one being why that name, another thing being how do they have time for this? <laughs> Genuinely, I'm curious how the artists have time for this. Another being why this is happening, is it a publicity thing, or is this genuinely, was this just a hobby of theirs, they just formed this informally? How official is this in terms of like, is this something they're putting on their resume, or is this just like a hobby? I, I don't know how official this thing is, so that's what I'm primarily wondering, as well as I guess this isn't so much a question as just a curiosity about how the backlash will play out because Korean fans of these stars are upset about this because they worry that there's also a male equivalent of this team and they're worried that the females are going to find ways to mingle and with and flirt with the males and there there's a lot to unpack there but basically it's just uh it's just culturally common in Korea for people to mostly just associate with people of their same sex. And so when they don't, dating rumors spin up automatically. There's a lot to unpack there. But basically, um, for this story's sake, I, I will just tell you the latest news is that the female stars have responded, a couple of them, with online posts just saying, no, we don't ever interact with the boys' soccer team. Don't worry about that. We're not like getting into mischief or anything while we're here. We're just here to play soccer. It's just supposed to be a fun, low-stakes thing, is how they put it. Japan has released their top their list for the top releases of 2020 so far. So the most popular K-pop releases with Japanese versions or just in general Japanese singles released by K-pop stars so far in 2020. The best-selling being in, in first place, Stray Kids' Japanese album, second place, Oh My Girls, and third place, NCT Dreams. And then single-wise, number one has been Monsta X's Wish on the Same Sky, which is a wonderful song. Very excited about that. 
In second place, SF9's Good Guy Japanese version. In third place, Top from Stray Kids. Great choices, in my opinion. There are so many more milestones, I just really want to run through real fast. So, And then I'll get to some album reviews and recommendations. So, uh, BTS has broken a lot more records again as usual. DNA hit 15 million likes, and they are the only K-pop group to have that milestone reached for two different YouTube videos, which is really exciting. Map of the Soul, The Journey, their new Japanese album, sold over half a million units already, in Japan only. <laughs> BTS also ranked in the top 50 on Forbes' list of the 100 highest paid celebrities. They've earned approximately $50 million as of the 2020 reporting time. Their idol video recently hit 700 million views, as did their Mic Drop remix video. And Boy With Love became the fastest K-pop boy group video to hit 850 million views. 850 million! Congrats to Eric Nam, honestly has hit 20 million streams. PSA, side note, Eric Nam, we continue to ask to the point, uh, I hope it doesn't sound like we're just begging and being annoying, but at this point I continue to plead that you please come on the show sometime, I'd love to talk to you and promote this, promote your new album as well as talk about Honestly. So, you know, feel free to return my messages and requesting an interview. <laughs> anyway, G Friends sold, broke their own record by selling 14,000 more units than they did during their last comeback with this new comeback, so they are really really growing their popularity, which is exciting. Irene and Sulgi's album hit number five on the World Albums chart. XOSC's new album topped the charts in 50 different countries. I by Taeyeon hit 200 million views, and it is her first music video to do so. How You Like That by Blackpink hit 300 million views and has been officially used in one million different TikToks, which is an interesting new stat being used to show the popularity of songs. We'll see how sustainable that stat is, though, as we talked about before with TikTok. Taeyeon now is the first NCT member to have 300,000 Spotify followers without even a full mixtape of his own out yet, which is very exciting for fellow Taeyeon enthusiasts like me. And his cover, his dance cover of Paris in the Rain by Lauv now has 2 million views, so it's a great Great week for Taeyeon biased people like myself. Alright, in terms of what you should be listening to lately, I have a lot of thoughts about some recent releases. So, first of all, XOSC is here with the new album. And my honest opinion is that it is so much better than What a Life. I honestly was a little disappointed by What a Life. I really thought that album would just be catchier to me, and it just wasn't. Pers it's just my personal preference. It just wasn't it for me. This album is it. It's way more it than the last album. You it's just really fun. It's refreshing. It's very cool how they managed to make their personalities really shine. You can tell in the music video and with the album promo pictures and stuff how this is so classic XOSC. Like, they've really found a unique branding for this XO subunit that seems very authentic to them, and it, it, it shows, and it makes the songs better, it makes the videos more exciting, because they genuinely seem to be just having a good time in the video, and this is just so them, and I love to see them get to experiment like that. But it's also what SM Entertainment has done so well over the years continues through that album, because you can see that they do continue to lean into trends in music while still having that authenticity, which I really respect. And that's the balance that XOSC has struck with this new album because it has these, there's this, been this trend lately I've heard in, I've been noticing as I listen to pop songs of not just K-pop, but all pop songs where a lot of disco influences are back, a lot of 80s-ish um sounds and yeah just that disco club feel and you definitely get that from XOSC's new album especially a billion views and so those disco influences are a great little subtle way to keep the songs trendy but keep them original as well if that makes sense so it's a great album my favorite so far probably a million a billion views and side note, Moon, who is the featured singer on that song, she's really great. So her solo stuff is really awesome. Her song Now is beautiful. Her voice is so unique and special, and I would just highly recommend you 
seek out her solo stuff now, and I hope that her feature with XOSC will lead to more people discovering her solo work. And uh, other song that's my current favorite is probably Rodeo Station, but I'm really loving all of it. I'm also really loving Two's new album, Running Together. It is very cute and fun and just perfect for summer. It's refreshing. My favorite song from it is probably Step by Step. And also what I like about it is that it gives me very nice by Seventeen vibes, which is just a great compliment. If I compare you to Seventeen ever, that means you're doing well in my book. So artists keep that in mind. Golden Child's new album, Take a Leap, I really like because it is what I love about K-pop songs. So my favorite song from that album, to be basic, is Lucid Dream, the single, but I will just say that I have a great reason for that because it really does what I love about K-pop is it keeps me so engaged just auditorily with so many layers of instruments and sounds, and I really love that when it all works together. And so I'm very impressed by the ways that this song is so classically K-pop, but for the best reasons. The reasons that I have found K-pop songs so unique and refreshing and full. Just sonically full. And Golden Child has really grown into that full sound that I really respect. AB6's latest release, Vivid, is really fun. It's also refreshing and just great for summer. I really like the answer, and Red Up is probably also another favorite. I love that we got a sneak peek of Red Up at KCON, the digital KCON this year. SF9's new album, Glorious, is really nice as well. Spring Breeze, I'm going to be basic again, say Spring, Be- Spring Breeze is my favorite from that one. But it really, it really is good, and I will say two more things about that for SF9 fans. One is this suit aesthetic, this whole suit look, this like clean-cut good guy, not to, no pun intended there with the song titles, but good guy aesthetic, uh, that concept that SF9 pulls off I think is their best. I hope they keep doing more of that because they just really do well in that concept, I think, if it suits them. Uh, no pun intended with the word suit either, but there you go. And then the other thing I will say about it is that there's something that just uniquely catchy about SF9 title tracks. They all ha- always have a little some- something in there that just sticks in your head, and I love that. So um, lots of props to SF9 for that. With Irene and Solgi's Monster album, I, again, I think I have to be basic and say the title track is my favorite with Monster. But hear me out. So I think another unique thing that SM Entertainment does so well is they not only tap into some trends, but they also find ways to be super experimental and in ways that should be annoying. Like, they add little sound effects that you should find, like, that typically you think, oh my gosh, this is the most annoying sound in the world, but it's not. Like, EXO's obsession, for example, when the whole, the whole chorus is that, I want you, I want you, I want you, that part should be so annoying. Like, I should, like, I feel like when I'm listening to that, like, I can totally see why someone would despise the song and it'd be so annoying, but why am I loving it? Like, it, it, it manages to make what seem like annoying sounds super catchy, and that's so impressive to me. And they've done it again with this um, monster song where they, with all the meow, meow, meows. You just, you just have to watch the video and listen to the song to know what I'm talking about. But the meow, meows should be so annoying. Like, I feel like I shouldn't like them and that it should make the song feel like it's really a bad song. But no, I don't know. I'm hooked. And that's, I'm really impressed with SM Entertainment again because of that. Some more albums I've been loving lately, if you just need more recommendations. There have been so many this summer already that I love. Zico's latest has been really fun and perfect for summer. 3i continues to impress me, especially with their video concepts. Those are really unique and stand out to me. TXT's album, I like. I do like the... I don't want to give any spoilers, and I'll save this for the TXT dedicated episode, but the Eternally video really is a great moment that feels very satisfying storyline-wise. Very great addition, and it left me in thought, and it was just well done. Ash Island has this new single called Error that I'm really digging. It's great if you're into that vibe of, of One, the Korean singer One, or Ravi solo stuff. It's kind of in that vein as well, so check it out if you're into those people. Check out Ash Island. He's really good with that sound. And then Woods. Woods' EP equal, I really do think, will take in places. I really think that that 
I, I really see bright things for Woods. I think you'll hear a lot from him in the future. He's just got a very unique style, and his music video is very cinematic. It's a very cool, like, doppelganger, um, you're your own worst enemy movie plot of sorts, where he's the bad guy and the good guy, and it's really fun and interesting. So I think his uh, unique musical and visual vision for his music career is really going to take off, so keep your eyes on Woods for sure. Alright, so those are my recommendations and getting you up to speed on the latest in the world of K-pop for the week. But now we have to talk about all this Melanie drama as well as talk about Quarantunes. And today's segment of Quarantunes is about some of the latest forms of concerts that are happening that are really, really interesting choices. How far would you go to see your fave in concert right now? Well, you might want to have to be willing to sit on a frozen lake for the concert. That is at least what Latvia is testing out, this new version of a drive-in show where people sit in catamarans wearing rain ponchos given the weather and watch the show from their spots on a frozen lake. Not exactly my cup of tea. Maybe I'll take what I can get at this point, though, honestly. There's, there are also more unique ways that people are trying to get concerts to fans. Tove Lo, just this past weekend, performed a DJ set in Animal Crossing. She clearly listens to this show because I recommended that artists start doing things in Animal Crossing or other games like Sims and stuff. And so, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure I just, wow, my power, right? I'm sure that she just listened and decided that hope's right and I'm gonna do a DJ sit in Animal Crossing so you're welcome everybody please know I'm joking and so anyway but she did do this and she let six lucky fans access her island for the DJ set which I found really cute we're probably gonna see more of those types of events in the future as we've already discussed the UK is trying out real in-person concerts but designated with social distancing in mind so the Virgin Money Unity Arena, which is a racetrack in Newcastle, England, has decided that they are creating the first officially permanently designated social distancing venue. So the plan and the blueprint of it looks like it's going to have 2,500 people able to be there and 500 different platforms. So the 500 different little platforms, the, the images make it look like they're all little stages, and so these 500 different little stages that are surrounded by like a railing are like a little place where you can stand and lean on the railing with whoever you bought a ticket with. So you each get, each group of ticket buyers gets their own platform and they're all, each platform is spread six feet apart and then they can all watch the show. All of the platforms are facing the stage. So this is a thought. It's an interesting concept. I don't know if I'm behind it yet. I don't know. I don't know it, how far back you might end up being than it, that you wouldn't if it wasn't socially distanced, but that is just something that people are trying out. There are more online versions of events happening as well. VAV is now having an online interactive show, which is going to be August 8th, so if you're interested, you could check that out. It's actually a reasonable uh, good time for USA fans, 7 p.m. Pacific time, so Chicago time, I believe, that's 9 p.m., not too bad. And so VAV show is actually really, I really like how they're doing um, it financially where it's free for people if you bought tickets to the 2020 tour. Even though they did reschedule, as far as I know, they're still on to perform those shows in person in the future, probably in 2021 at the earliest. But even still, you're getting this bonus concert with your ticket money too. So, however, though, you can still also pay $30 and get in even if you didn't have a ticket for their in-person tour that got canceled slash postponed. So this sounds like it's going to be kind of like Beyond Live, although it's through a different app, which has not been unveiled yet. But Studio PAV is hosting this event, and they apparently will be releasing the app that the event will be performed in very soon. And the event will give you video-on-demand access to the show afterwards, show access, you also get a lot of chances to participate in this interactive event. So there will be submission videos for the sing-along and the fans singing together. There will be a Q&A session you could submit questions for. 
some people some lucky fans will get picked to read their fan letters out loud and those videos will be played for VAV. There are a lot of other opportunities as well. There will be some some video calls live. So it sounds very similar to how the digital KCON K-Contact worked this year. So a lot of great interactive perks are planned for this. They're even planning to have the pick-a-post snapshots that the Studio PAV team is known for doing for fans. Pick-a-pose in person is normally when you literally pick a pose out of like six different poses that are on this poster that the each band member gets to pick a, a handful of poses to put on their poster that they're willing to do with fans. So maybe that's a hug, maybe it's arm around them, maybe that's a hand heart, whatever they want to do. And so basically you pick and then the photographer points to the image, make sure everyone knows what the pose is going to be, and you pose for that picture and you get a Polaroid out of it. Now, how that is moving to an online format remains to be seen. Apparently, there's a way to edit, I guess, your picture to still pose with your fave in this way through this upcoming app. So I'm very curious what that looks like and how realistic it looks that you pose together for a picture, but I guess we'll wait and see. Another unique format that is being quite debated among fans about if it's really a great way to do it or not is that so lately what K-pop stars have been doing is moving their fan meetings and album signings online. So they just, I guess you just get the autograph in the mail or something and you just have like an online video chat for a few minutes with your fave. And this is sort of that, but in person. So it's a weird hybrid of old and new fan meet models where Lee Jin Hyuk from Uptension he is promoting his solo, latest solo release by having an in-person event. So how it's going to work is fans will go and they will all have to be required to wear masks. They will have their temperature checked at the door and they will all be required to use hand sanitizer upon entry. And then they will all go to their seat and each seat is six feet apart from the others and they all get a designated seat. They have to be there on time, and when it's their turn, they have to be in their designated seat, or else their turn will be skipped over. And so if they follow this protocol, they will basically, it sounds like they're going to use their cell phones to talk to him, and they'll see him on this big movie screen on the other, basically where their chairs are facing. So like if I was going to this event, I would, when it's my turn, I would pick up my phone and I would call Jin Hyuk. He would be talking to me. And so on the movie screen, what you would see is me. Well, you, you wouldn't see me. I would, I would, you, if you were in there, you would see me holding up my phone and talking into it. And, and on the movie screen, you would see Jin Hyuk picking up his phone and talking back to me. So you still see him. He's still there. He's in another room. And you have a phone call basically that everyone watches. And then after the whole event, after everyone has called and talked to him through their own phones, then the albums get hand the autographed albums get passed out at the end and then you leave. So I'm very torn if I like this idea or not. I like it in some ways. It's kind of like the idea I proposed a little while back, actually, of having some sort of billboard on the side of a truck or something, like one of those digital billboard trucks, and have fans gather in a parking lot or something and talk to their idol through that video screen. But this is like a mo in a movie theater type setting indoors. So the fact that it's indoors um, is a little more concerning but they are taking precautions. I just wonder if it'll be worth the risk to some fans because why can't they... It feels like some fans are wondering, well, why can't we just still do it completely online instead of this hybrid? Some people don't think it's worth that effort going there. And if you don't, if, if you still only see him on a screen, uh, why not just stay home for that is what some people think. I also think it's a little uncomfortable to have your special personal moment with your fave in front of everyone watching. I personally prefer to just be in a room like alone to like FaceTime or whatever, but that's just my personal preference. I do like the fact though that it seems very hands-off and safe because everyone uses their own phone and everyone gets the albums handed to them at the end. So there's a lot of, there's not that, there's very, 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 very minimize physical contact associated with this event. So I'm curious what the fan reaction is after the event, and I'll keep you posted. We'll see about that. Others, however, back in the USA, are not being so careful. So there are more artists than there should be who are just playing shows as if there's not a pandemic. Like, there's this band called Great White. They played in North Dakota recently. 
no social distancing, no masks, no no real acknowledgement of the severity of the crisis in the USA right now. Travis McCready, we've already talked about, he actually had a social distancing health protocol filled and government approved plan for his show, but he did have one still. So there's still some uh, controversy surrounding that choice. But then, meanwhile, you have Chase Rice, a country singer in Tennessee, who recently performed to a maskless, relatively maskless and non-social distancing crowd. Chris Jansen just did in Idaho, another country star. He even included lyrics in one of his songs about, like, we weren't meant to stay inside, don't take our freedoms away kind of a message. And Chase Rice also has some of those lyrics in one of his songs, literally saying, Dear Corona. So, basically, they're saying, you know, who cares about what the health officials say, and they have been widely condemned, and they really should. I just, I need to get in my soapbox box for just a second, because do we want these weird alternative hybrids where it's half screen time, half in person, or you go to the show, but it feels weird because it's everyone's in masks and stuff, and you can't really fully see each other? Of course we want to go back to shows before all that. But if we jump to that conclusion and go back right now before it's safe, then we're just going to end up having to stick to a hybrid model longer, even if that. So let's say if if we realize that a huge outbreak of COVID happened because of one of these concerts, then the venues are not even going to be willing to have one of the socially distanced concerts there. The venue will just close its doors for a while. And so we need to work with the hybrid because if we don't, then we'll, we will be forced to not try anything, if that makes sense. Because, oh, this is just, it's just very frustrating how some people are really acting like it's not happening. And as much as I really crave concerts and want to go back to one and miss them a lot, if we go before it's safe, we'll just be in this limbo longer of waiting for it to be safe again and having more restrictions placed on what to do and where to go. So if everyone could please just wash their hands and put on their masks and just help just stop the spread, lower the spread and the rate of transmission and get this manageable at least. At least in, I'm really talking to US, my fellow USA people right now. There, some other countries are doing quite well or at least trying. Uh, here it's really... People need to really step up, and I'll just realize it's for the public common good to put on your masks because that'll get us out of the situation sooner in the long run. So please be aware of that, and it's not funny. It doesn't make you cool or extra, you know, a baddie to be like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. It's just, it does. it's not a good look. So I really hope these people realize that it's not funny and it's not cool to act like you're above the health recommendations and act like you don't need to obey the same rules that and guidelines that everyone else is going to do for the public good. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox for now, but I'm just saying we have to learn to like or at least tolerate the hybrid models of shows for the time being is my bottom line. And we're going to have to do that or just find other ways to promote these artists because lately... There have been some other developments that affect how mu music gets promoted. One of them being that Billboard has totally made some big chart changes. So what was happening a lot before was merch bundling. And we actually talked about this in the show before too, of how the merch bundling practice might go out of style because concert tours aren't happening, so ticket sales aren't happening that come with complimentary album copies. And so the same is being done for merch packages now where you actually have to opt in and manually click on something to include an album in any merch order. So those albums will, it sounds like those albums will count for Billboard chart rankings. So let's say I'm buying 17 merch and I want my 17 album purchase to go toward Billboard chart rankings. I can't just buy the 17 merch and know that I helped the chart ranking because a free album copy was in my order. Now I have to actually click opt in and get that extra copy. And so it's treated as a separate product, not part of your original purchase. And that is what would make it actually count on the charts. Billboard is also not no longer counting digital downloads that come with merch that you don't get right away. Because what's been happening, especially with the manufacturing holdups because of COVID, is that, again, let's just do the 17 example. So like, if I 
this year in 2020 during this pandemic decide, well, I want to help Seventeen's chart ranking, so I'm going to buy a bunch of different merch and know that the album copy comes with each piece of merch or something. And if I say this, then I'll be like, oh, I'm buying like five albums, the equivalent of five albums, because each piece of merch I bought will come with a digital download of the album. Um, but that is no longer the case if it's being sent to me. So, like, if I was buying it on site somewhere, there might be a different story. Uh, but in terms of digital downloads and digital purchases, those pieces of Seventeen merch I ordered might not even be made yet, physically made yet. And so it will, my digital download will no longer count toward rankings. So basically what was happening before is that there were factory slowdowns, shutdowns, transportation delays and stuff when delivering merch. And so sometimes what people were doing is ordering merch that hasn't even been made yet. And it hasn't, if it hasn't been manufactured yet, then you're buying something that isn't out yet. Long story short is that the digital downloads no longer count. Toward, they just don't. Even if you buy it like as an opt-in thing, that's not a thing. Um, so that those are the main changes, that you have to opt-in to get a physical album count, a physical album copy to count on the Billboard charts, and that you cannot expect a digital download to work because... They're basically saying, no, you can't keep uh, counting based on possible shipments of merch and try to calculate an album popularity based on that because sometimes this merch isn't even manufactured yet. That's just getting way too ahead of themselves in terms of chart rankings and real cal really calculating what's popular and what's not. So that's the rationale. There's no clear start date for when they're going to implement these changes, but we will see, and I'll keep you posted on the show if there's another way. Other big development in how music is promoted, the, the, this may be the end of elevator music as we know it. So this company called Mood Media is in huge debt. They are filing Chapter 11 bankruptcy because they are in debt of, wait for it, $680 million dollars. They have a $680 million debt, so they would need a $680 million loan just to get to $0. They are really in trouble, and so they're filing for bankruptcy. And they actually already did file for Chapter 15 bankruptcy in 2017 when they had $650 million in debt. So three years ago they had $650 million in debt, and now they have $680 million in debt. They were tied it over because they formed some new partnerships, and we won't get into all the economics of it, but basically they did find partners to help get them out of some debt temporarily, but the crisis, the COVID crisis, really did set them back again. And so they're going to go to court at the end of July in Texas to decide the fate of the company. So in sometime in August, we may learn that Elevator Music has been literally canceled. But we will see. Basically... What Mood Media does is now it has acquired, since 2011, it acquired music. I think it's still pronounced music, but it's spelled M-U-Z-A-K. And so basically, by acquiring music, they have acquired and taken on a company that has a reputation for basically consulting. So what music has done is this company since actually 1934. So that's interesting. So like Great Depression era, this company was... was already getting started. But anyway, so this company since the 1930s has been advising people about what to do in, to make people, advising retail stores and other businesses what to do to get people, to how to influence their consumer habits through music, basically. So figuring out what music fits the mood of the location, figuring out what types of music makes people linger in the store longer, what types of music adds to certain feelings, and what types of emotional states lead to more spending, more impulse purchases, things like that. All advice for how to increase financial benefits, increase productivity of workers even, and mostly increase consumer spending. And so this company is now a part of Mood Music. And Mood Music, when it acquired music, the... Um, music is the little company acquired by the big company Moon Music, just to be clear. So when Moon Music acquired Little Music, they basically expanded it and decided to use its consultants for a wider variety of purposes. So then they started advising these businesses how to do things with 
sense, with decor, with all sorts of atmospheric elements of the shopping experience, the browsing experience, the, the consumer experience. So it's basically all about how the five senses can influence emotions and then influence consumer spending. And so what this means is that if mood music fails to be helped in court, if the court decides there's not enough uh, legally that you can do here, especially this, since this is your seventh time or your second time filing for bankruptcy um, to get you out of enough debt to you know tie, even tide you over a few more years like you tried last time, then Moon Music could entirely go out of business and then the little music company would go out of business. So what that means is that basically the shopping experience will lose a huge, a huge driving force in shaping consumerism. Basically, shopping as we know it is about to change if this company cannot get debt relief. And so that's what I predict will happen because it's, it, we won't get into the details of bankruptcy filings and whatnot, but this Chapter 11 one, it, just know it's very bad. Things are very bad if you file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And yeah, I really think this company is just going to permanently go under. But what really interests me about this story is how it affects music's popularity because there are, there have been a lot of times honestly where I'm in a store and I'm I stay a few extra minutes if I like the song playing there are also times where the music is just very fast and it really does give people a psychological reaction a physiological reaction to grab things fast and just feel this impulse buy like I gotta could buy this fast and get out of here fast because the music's so fast-paced some stores have even I believe Amber Crombie and Fitch maybe was one of them. Some stores have actually been sued because of the f such fast-paced music that was considered to be illegally influencing spending or just in general hurting people's eardrums, literally. So, but that's a whole side story. But yeah, music has music really does drive how people shop. And I really think that's also going to change because I have, on a handful of occasions, discovered a new favorite artist or song from shazamming what I heard in a store. For real, I will listen to a song in a store and I'll shazam it to figure out who sings it, and that has led me down kind of a rabbit hole of that artist's music. So it's way more powerful than you might think, actually. And even just elevator music, I mean, that I'm not shazamming, but <laughs> but you could. And the thing is, like, you never know when a certain song will will lead you to a new favorite artist or something, open up a new world of music for you, and then have you share it, and then other people share it. And the if the ripple effect can be huge. And so if artists can't get to promote their music through retail stores and other businesses because no one is promoting their music, because there's no consultant to say this music is perfect for this shopping environment, then... What do these artists do? Where do they turn to for a promo? And in general, when people are just locked down at home for more more than usual, they're gonna hear be out and about hearing new music less often. So it will be very interesting what this does to artists' careers and how people discover music and use apps like Shazam if they ever do anymore. And so I'm very curious to see the after effects of this this company's issues. And I think it is also very interesting to think about what this will do with merch sales because not only do merch sales have to have not only have merch sales slowed down due to no concert tours happening so mer merch release opportunities are a little less common right now but also if people aren't going to stores to buy stuff then that really affects the interest as well you know if I am surrounded by NCT merch at Hot Topic or or they've had a couple of part Forever 21, I think. Um, they, SM Entertainment has had their artist partner with some s retail stores to have their merch. Anyway, so if I'm in one of those stores that has NCT merch on sale, I'm more likely to buy it than I would online, whether I have the money for it or not, because it's there, it's all around me, and I have this gimme gimme impulse. That's what they've spent years crafting the experience to look like, what these consultants have done, but... You know, it, it, then if now if I'm doing all my shopping online, or even if I'm picking up an in-order purchase, but I really am focused on not browsing and getting in and out fast, of in and out of that store fast, then I'm less likely to just 
impulse buy more NCT merch than I need. And so it'll, it will be just very interesting how consumer habits are affected by people's financial status changes during this pandemic, but also just their, their habits changing during this pandemic. How people don't want to stand around lingering in, in especially indoor places, and people have less money to spend in general, and there are just so many ripple effects this could have. So keep your eyes on this case, as will I, because I think the aftermath will be very interesting. After this break, I am going to be having my social criticism of the day, I guess you could say, this time surrounding where K-pop fandom discourse has gone, and just in general overall trends I've noticed with online discourse among fandoms and how I hope that changes going forward. One of the ways I have basically been studying and training to see the world is based on these gender and racial dynamics that play out whether you realize it or not implicitly through through our lives. They just do. Race and gender affect how we act as well as how society responds to us, how we feel like we can or cannot act in response to others who feels like they are in a position of superiority versus um, subordination. So that shapes these interactions whether we realize it or not, and most often we do not. There's just a culture of misogyny worldwide still. There, there just is gender bias influences everything from hiring practices to how much media condemnation a famous person gets to how much women's outfits are policed to everything else. Women are just held to higher standards. And then there's a similar dynamic, although a very different struggle, playing out with races and the expectations of them. There's especially a long history of Asian artists having to bear this model minority myth where they are viewed as these, um, all these super smart, tech-savvy people who all fit into that monolithic description and are here just to contribute in terms of economics to America or wherever. And basically, they're pigeonholed in very oppressive ways in that way, that putting those limitations in, boxing them into that description. So anyway, so there is a lack of Asian American diversity in represent in the representation, especially in the U.S. media, which has contributed to that myth because there are no counter narratives. And so this moment is extra important for Asian American culture to be acknowledged, for Asian culture to be acknowledged in America, for Asian Americans to feel seen and accepted and celebrated. So that is at play. However, it's not about, well, what what is a, is a harder form of oppression, being a, a different race or being ma male or female or however you identify. This really... It's not about comparing at all. You just can't compare those types of struggles. So the dynamics have some similarities, but these are very different in other ways too. This is a very nuanced discussion that I spent um, years reading about in school and cannot condense into this podcast episode. But the bottom line with these dynamics being that they always need to be kept into account because they do shape our interactions. They do shape so much of our lives, whether we realize it or not. So it's always important to keep in mind how your reaction might be a different degree of severe or angry or positive and, and encouraging depending on the characteristics of the person you're projecting towards. So it's always important to keep in mind if what you're saying makes sense for the situation or if it might be disproportionately um, emotional due to the gender of the person, the sex of the person, the race of the person. It's just always important to keep in mind how frequently you are being extra hard on certain people. I, to me, to, for, to try to better understand how something might be the reaction of some internalized misogyny, there are a few things that seem to be common, and one of those ways of telling if it's an example of misogyny is when it's about physicality, when it is about taking up physical space or dictating the physical movements of someone. So like that's why the term man spreading is such a term, for example, when guys sit on like subways or whatever with their legs outstretched, whereas women are taught to close their legs and uh, cross their legs and things like that uh, about really taking up space. 
men are expected to be, you know, bulky, broad-shouldered, or if they are, they're praised for it, whereas for a woman, that's viewed as laughable or weird, and basically women are taught to be smaller in all these physical ways. And so it's, it's, there's a whole history behind this that we don't have time to get into, but basically that is a way that I kind of see it playing out when I can pinpoint and say, yeah, I think that is the time when that is definitely you definitely increase your criticism because of some internalized misogyny when it has to do with taking up space. And that has to do with ego as well and how much women are ridiculed or viewed as too bossy or egotistic when they express confidence and pride in their work. We see that with Lizzo all the time. People get annoyed if she's like too cocky, but I love it. I love that she's she, I love that she loves herself. You know, she's not going to apologize for that or act bashful over that and that happens a lot with female artists so worse with guys being confident and sure of themselves is just viewed as a given or at least not a bad thing if you don't think that affects your decisions implicitly then that's kind of the point it's implicit it's something beyond our control i'm not claiming that everyone is a misogynist but we live in a misogynist society and so i'm still gonna point that out so if you want to get into more of the details about how pop music and the people who make it have been labeled as too feminine at times or just different than like males and the traits that are associated with rock music and all of that, check out the episode of this show called Big Hit the Road. Uh, I talk about that a lot in that episode, so that is a good partner for this episode, but that's just a side note. For now, I'm just saying that this, is, this isn't a debate about who deserves condemnation or not. It's about keeping in check the degree of the vitriol and other emotions in your condemnation of them. Let's be respectful when we share our frustrations and disappointments towards anyone. And let's remember that no one is invincible and everyone can be held to account and should be. But we also need to keep in mind the level of the severity of the vitriol or whatever that you are directing at them. So what has led to this moment is a lot of barriers toward different types of people and we're really at a time with social media where we can break down those barriers more than ever if we really try and so we need to try and call out when people are challenging those barriers being broken and I think what the situation has made me reflect on the most is two main things. It's how the media accepts and shapes certain dynamics as well as ownership of content. I feel like it's rooted in a lot of xenophobia when artists from other countries get backlash here or just unfair media treatment. I've talked about that a lot on the show in the past about how K-pop stars are belittled by the Western media, but all to say that these there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of treating them fairly and that there is, seems to be a tendency to to find an explanation for their success. I'm probably guilty of it too in interviews, but I do like to know what people think is the key to BTS's success. But at the same time, if we focus way too much on how did they get so popular here and how did K-pop get so popular here, even if we don't speak Korean, then that really others the, the whole concept of music from other countries. Even if you think about like the history of terms like world music, we refer to it as world music as non-USA released, non-Western music. It's very othering and it's just very odd. It treats them as foreign and therefore it's weird if they're popular here. Like, oh, why did that type of music get popular here? It's it's very, that type of weird, like, confusion surrounding success and curiosity and just in general a, a sense of weird, like, um, yeah, just confusion with the fact that this music can get popular here is only confusing when it's about people from other parts of the world and so it's just very frustrating to see this double standard play out and so it got me thinking about why we jump to conclusions that there has to be a force why does there even have to be an answer of why did bts get so popular here because they're good because they make great music they write great music they produce great music they create great music they create great storylines in their videos they're good Artists are good when they're good. 
Um, what is their secret? It just seems weird because that question isn't asked the same way to Western artists, is what I'm trying to say. It just isn't. And so, just the two things that I took away from looking at and thinking about the situation. One is how media is, has led to these narratives about who we consider you must be the rightful owner of this content, or you probably wrote this content, or you did this or that. And then the second thing being what it, what it means to own content. And who owns the song, whose contributions are weighted more than others. So it really got me thinking about ownership in the media narrative and how they influence each other. And I just hope in the future we don't spend too much time, don't spend more time preoccupied with what Korean artists do that makes them successful and more with what artists do that makes them successful. And really just focus on them as artists and really just keep in mind historically how who we give a microphone and who we give attention to has typically been impacted by our internalized um, our internalized stereotyping and belittling and boxing of certain types of people. Keep that in mind about whose story you're centering and helping to tell and it's it's not there's no easy answer here that's why I'm not picking a side I'm not telling you flat out, this story is a yes or a no for me. <laughs> it's not like that. Life is complex and messy and nuanced, and these dynamics are complex and messy and nuanced. And so I'm not proposing a concrete solution to this drama. I'm just telling people to please think about all of these different aspects of it and be aware going forward what aspects need to change in how you defend yourself or how other people, how you defend or do not jump to the defense of other people, and think about what instincts lie beneath your instinct to jump in and defend a certain person. What may be driving that, or driving you away from covering a certain artist, or appreciating and showing admiration for certain content. Why does it feel so abnormal? And so, I just hope there's a lot more normalization of Korean stars popular all over the world, and that will really help if we just celebrate Korean artists as they are and don't worry about trying to figure out who in the US or with certain connections or certain skills was able to help them break into the market. Let's focus just, let's just not focus on that as much. And let's focus on the ones who really, um, who really had to jump the highest barriers. So it's important to keep that in mind. So not a concrete answer for you about my take, but that's because that's life and that is what it is. So I hope everyone involved can just go forward without, um, with keeping in check, like I said, the level of vitriol or other levels of emotions you are expressing through your reaction, especially when it's online. Take a minute to think about the impact you're having and what kind of culture you want to contribute to online or offline. So that is the latest going on in the world of K-pop, and that is my recap for the day. On the next episode of the show, I have a few ideas in mind for what I'll talk about. I'm gonna talk, I want to talk about the influence of rock music on today's music. I also have some past, um, past concert and festival memories slash um, crash courses in history to share. I have, I have some content to discuss about K-pop, YouTube content. There's a lot in the store, both lighter and darker, or at least heavier concepts. So the mixed bag of concepts as usual for this show. So lots coming. The next episode should be out late this week. And I will, I will see you when I see you later this week. Thank you for listening, and see you then.